Let's do this. Let's do the damn thing. <laughs> listening to How to Get Away with Shakespeare with Jane Fox and Gabriel Vega starting now What did you say you sound like a 3-year-old man? A 3-year-old grown man because I have a low voice but also a lisp and I sound a little bit like a child but I have a very low voice for a woman. Well, Okay. <laughs> that's the that's the story. I sound like a three year old grown man. Wow. That's quite the story, Jane. You asked me to tell you what I said. Well, tell us if she sounds like a three year old grown man, please. How to get away with Shakespeare at gmail.com. I'm starting with this hashtag. Three, <laughs> hashtag three year old grown man. Yeah, three year old grown man. That's our hashtag. Anyway, we're back, dear listeners. Yeah. We took a little break. Um, we were away. Yeah. And now we're back for the last two episodes of season one. We didn't want to leave you hanging, not tell tell you um, uh, what we that we took a break and like you thinking that we wouldn't come back ever. Uh, we won't. <laughs> we probably <laughs> won't. No. Um, so we don't know when season two will start, but we wanted to end it right now uh on a high note on a high note a double high note hopefully a high note one of those little musical notes that's connected to another musical note if you know what i'm talking about it's a double high note okay and uh yeah so this is the last these are the last two episodes of season two it's a two-parter uh we'll tell you what the episode's about in a second uh but yeah we've been busy uh uh, Jane's been working a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been writing a novel, and we've waited to graduate uh, for We're school. Still waiting <laughs> uh, because our school's on strike. If you didn't know, but anyway, we we don't have to get into that. Uh, we're here for a show. Um, we're here for Shakespeare. Yeah, we're here for Shakespeare. We're we've got so many movies and TV shows left for for upcoming seasons. So it's not like we don't have anything left to say. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, you guys know there's Shakespeare everywhere. So, yeah, let us know what you want for season two specifically. We'd love to hear your (laughs) ideas. Uh, So, what are we talking about today, Jane? Today we're talking about the world of Marvel, superhero movies. Marvel's cinematic universe. And we're talking about Thor. And Black Panther. And now you might be thinking... This is the whitest thing in the world. Analyzing Black Panther from a Shakespeare perspective. And you're right. We are the whitest people in the world. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't see that. But, um, okay, thank you for bringing that up. I'm sure now they think we're white. That's what James said when I told him we were doing an episode on Black Panther. He said, that's the whitest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. 
No. To be, I, I, I didn't see it true. that way. Now that you've said it, they're, they're going to think we're real, really white. But well, I, I mean, I'm sure we're both we white didn't people. think that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so we're doing the whitest episode ever. Anyway. The Thor part is fine. The Iceland people are... Anyway. The Scandinavians are We white. chose Thor and Black Panther because they had great a great amount of Shakespeare on them. Um, and... Um, Especially Thor and Black Panther uh, together because they're really, really similar once you uh, look at them like uh, uh, from uh, a deep uh, and uh, level. They're similar in every way except quality, I would say. Yeah. One is much better than the other. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's to uh, be clear. Jane doesn't like Thor in the movie. I find it fine, and that's going to be the debate for today. Okay, but also, let me be clear. I loved Thor Ragnarok, the third movie, and I love the mythology of Thor and Loki, all the North mythology. I just don't like these first two films. Let me be clear. I don't like Thor The Dark World, but I... It's not my favorite. Thor is not my favorite MCU movie. It's not my favorite movie of all time. Not at all. But I find it fine compared to a movie like Ant-Man, which I dislike completely. Um, yeah. See, but I love the premise of Ant-Man. I've never seen the actual movie because I've heard it was bad and I don't waste my time on bad movies. Hence why I fell asleep while watching Thor twice. But I find the premise of Ant-Man where he can shrink himself and then grow large very interesting yeah it's just i don't know i don't there's wanna... nothing deeper than that i think you know, when it's over the top and like the acting is really bad anyway you might disagree with me on that uh dear listeners but i just don't find ant-man that great for me anyway uh thor is fine with me it's a fine movie it's not the best movie obviously but it's better than ant-man when you look at the acting it's better uh than a lot of Marvel movies, especially the recent ones, that are the acting is over the top, and sometimes Infinity War is not like that. Um, Which I haven't seen. But yeah, especially those early Marvel movies, they uh, did a good job with the acting. It just the only critique I have of Thor is it's too serious. It's way too serious compared to Ragnarok. Compared to the, uh, the other thing they did with Thor in the, the later years. But I guess you need that seriousness to understand the comedic uh, films after. Here's the thing. like Looking at the structure of Thor, it seems like it should be a good movie. And I feel like maybe part like the structure was taken from like a Shakespearean play. Because yeah. it makes sense in like the way that the acts happen. And a lot of the stuff seems like it should be good. And it's not that even... like. I wouldn't say the acting is bad. It's just like the overall movie, like the actual production, that's sort of lackluster. Tom Edelston is wonderful in that movie. You don't See, like him? No, 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 no. I like Tom Edelston, but I am extremely creeped out by the weird like fan base surrounding him where people were like in love with him. Oh, I understand it they completely. Want, but they wanted him... Like One time he said, like, bow down. They were all like, bowing down to him and like... Yeah, that Drooling. was like Comic Con. Yeah, they were he like. He was dressed drooling. as Loki. Yeah, I know. 
But yeah, that's Comic Con. Yeah. There's a problem in the world. No, he was playing a character. I know. So that's fine. Anyway, we will disagree all podcasts on this. I've seen people say things about him that would turn your blood cold. <laughs> okay. Like what? Just like random people sharing with the whole world. Like, oh, I wish Tom Hiddleston would blank my blank and blank my blank. And it's like, you don't. Yeah. It's you the same know kind the of fan base that Benedict Cumberbatch has. Exactly. And it was around the same time. And I'm a part of that fan base. Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic. His voice is the main thing. But I then think he's my favorite actor. It became this honest. huge thing. He's a very good actor, but... He's great. It became this thing where, like, if you didn't like him, you were an outcast. And, and he's a vegan, that is a problem. too. I didn't know he was vegan. Yeah, he's a vegan. In uh, the Infinity War um, interview... Uh, the the press tour he, he kept saying oh i'm a vegan i don't eat that i don't eat that is he people... vegan or is he plant-based no he's vegan he kept using the word vegan because he wasn't vegan a couple years ago, yeah i know sure. but now he's vegan especially uh and uh, apparently a lot of the avengers people are, are now vegan uh i know that chris emsworth speaking of thor uh went on a vegan diet for infinity war uh uh and tried it and it worked perfectly Anyway, we're not here to talk about vegan diets, but... It's related. We were talking about Benedict Cumberbatch and before that, Tom Hiddleston. So... You know Tom Hiddleston's like six foot three? Yeah. But he doesn't look like it. Yeah, he's he looks tall. like, But he looks like he has normal proportions if you see him by himself. And then he's like standing next to someone. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? Anyway. And speaking of um, how to get away with Shakespeare... <laughs> no, nice that transition. Was a, that was not a good transition. But I wanted to talk about something else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do I make this transition or not? Anyway, uh, speaking of Thor, um, Anthony Hopkins. Um, and uh, we were talking about Westworld. Uh, uh, on not this show. too long ago. Not too long ago. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins was there. And I watched Thor also this morning. And the two characters, Odin and and uh, Floyd, are so similar. He played the, he played them so similarly, uh, which is funny, because uh, he's like also expositional in that movie, and he's expositional right. in Westworld too. Uh, and he is sort of like the father of the industry. Yeah, or he's of also the two a boys. god. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is interesting. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Okay, guys. So before we go any deeper. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Shakespeare. Over 180 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Out of Get Away with Shakespeare podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. How kind of them? Audible is so great. They are good. Now, have you been listening to any new books recently? Oh, thank you for asking. (laughs) That wasn't planned at all. But yes, I have. Um, Actually, uh, I wanted to recommend Big Little Lies, which I know a lot of people know as a TV show. But it was a book first. Uh, It was a book. (laughs) It was a book first. Uh, And to be fair, I want you to read the book. 
And I want you to tell me. Email me at howtogetawaywithshakespeare at gmail.com. If you think Big Little Lies, the book, is better than the TV show, or is the TV show better than the book? Because they added a lot in the TV show, which I think is a lot better than the book. Um, especially with the Celeste character. So, email me for that. Anyway, I read that on Audible with the great reader by the name of Carolyn Lee. She's quirky, she's funny, she makes different voices, uh, similar to Jim Dale, because I, I came off of Harry Potter, reading Harry Potter, uh, the fifth book, and it was incredibly long, and I enjoyed it, but I needed a break. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to start a book on Audible, and there's going to be a, a different voice, not Jim Dale, reading the book? Hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. And then I started listening to Big Little Lies, and Carolyn Lee is just fantastic. But does she roll her R's the same way Jim Dale was? He always says, Harry, <laughs> instead of Harry. She's from Australia, so it's different. Um, but also the book is set in Australia, which is... Um, I didn't know that. Which is good. Uh, yeah, they that's what they change also about the show. They, they put it in California. Uh, of course they do. Hollywood, am I right? But they did a great job. I, I'm sorry. Just watch the show. They did a, a super great job with it. Uh, except I, I still don't believe that Nicole Kidman as an American, as a great American accent. But she's, she's great in Big Little Lies. Anyway, so absolutely check those out with Audible. Uh, check Big Little Lies. I meant those because Carolyn Lee read all Leanne Moriarty's book. And uh, you should check all of those out. Leanne Moriarty is a fantastic author. I, I didn't know her before that. Um, I still don't know her. Yeah, she's great. She's absolutely great. Um, and she, she's a great writer. She taught me a, Reading that book taught me a lot about writing and point of views and stuff. Taught you a lot? Yeah, it taught me a lot. She taught me a lot. You said she taught you a lot. She, yeah, she taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and screw you. She taught me a lot. Okay? So, yeah, absolutely. Check her out on Audible. Uh, and she taught me a lot again. <laughs> um, so, what, what are you reading right now, Jane? To be honest, I'm listening to the first Harry Potter. Yeah, she's getting ready for trivia. I'm preparing for trivia, but also I actually bought my boyfriend an audiobook because he has to read um, Haruki Murakami's Norwegian Wood, which was a book that I loved reading in book form. But he's actually listening to it on audiobook because he finds it much easier to concentrate when he's doing like five things at once. So he'll like be playing a game and like typing and going on Wikipedia, but he's listening to the whole story. And that's just the way like he thinks, so... He's listening to that, and it's really well done, and it's a really good book. So you should definitely check out Norwegian Wood. But surely you've uh, listened to something other than Harry Potter, because we've been on break for a month. So what have you been reading before Harry Potter? We finally finished the one I've been listening to in a while, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And I'm also listening... Oh, is that the, the Broadway musical? It was a book first. No, but that's what I'm looking at. Actually, one of my first memories of driving in the car is actually my dad had the audiobook of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime and was listening to it. And I remember being so confused at the time. This was like 2004, so I was like six years old, seven years old. 
And then it was weird because I went back and listened to it and I was like, oh, yeah. So that's what was happening that my tiny seven-year-old brain couldn't work out. <laughs> and he used to listen to it like while we went on road trips. So that's my story. Cool story, Jane. Thank you for sharing. I think it was an interesting story. <laughs> it was interesting uh, and emotional. You made me cry. So uh, I could make you cry. No, you can not. Yes, I could. Okay, so those are our recommendations for the week. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Shakespeare. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Shakespeare for your free audiobook. Thank you again to Audible for sponsoring this podcast. Now back to the show. So um, shall we delve into this? Let's dig in. So let's just be clear. We're talking about... Not the third movie, Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Not the second movie, Thor The Dark World, which I dislike very, very much. We're talking about Thor, the first movie, uh, the movie that started it all. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, who you might know as Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter. Or as in every single Shakespeare movie or directing it ever. Yeah, he directed a lot of movie. Or as Kenneth Branagh like most of us say his name. But How did I say it? <laughs> you said Brana. <laughs> you said Brana or something. Brana. Kenneth Brana. Kenneth Brana. Brana. I don't think it's Brana. It's Brana. I don't think it is. <laughs> I'm sure everyone says it differently. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We, we've we looked it up and it's Brana. Uh, <laughs> no. The lady actually said the lady actually said it's Brana. But I'm going to say Brana. Because sure. I like that. I'm not going to argue with anyway. you. Anyway. You're French, so. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, he's the Shakespeare expert. The Well, not an expert. He's the director of many, many, many Shakespeare movies. I'm sure he's read a lot of them. So in some That's all he does, probably, basically. Yeah. Well, that and destroy <laughs> destroy things that people love. <laughs> the Orient Express. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Good. You know, I... I'm a huge fan of Poro. I think I've read most of the books. And he comes in with that evil mustache. I genuinely, in the theater watching that, I could not control myself. I was like wriggling in my seat with rage. But. And he cast himself as Hercule Poirot. The best detective in the world. The whole thing about Poirot is he's supposed to be short and fat and bald and egg shaped. Yeah. And. Like Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> any of those things. David Suchet is the only Poirot okay. who deserves to be alive. Anyway, you should have cast him. Okay. Yes. Anyway, back to Shakespeare. <laughs> we'll have a lot of debates today. But um, I didn't mind Murder of the Orient Express. I thought it was two stars at least. Um, <laughs> it got bad reviews and I was very happy about two it. Two stars out of five at least, which <laughs> is... Uh, what the hell on my scale, but <laughs> good. Uh, so yeah, Kenneth Branagh directed uh, directed it. Uh, he's a huge Shakespeare director, like we said. Uh, plus, yep. it was confirmed by him and Chris Hemsworth uh, that the first two films were Shakespearean, um, and that's what they tried to do in the third film uh, uh, with. Um, Taika Waititi, uh, they tried to steer away from that Shakespearean uh, form and uh, make something new. But 
I would argue that it's still Shakespearean very much when you think about the green world and a, a lot of a lot of things is, are, are similar to uh, the first two movies. But it's the best Thor movie. Let's be clear. Thor Ragnarok is yes, the best sure. Thor movie. And it's funny as hell. And it's just actually entertaining to watch. Like, I, it was... I do not fall asleep during movies ever. And twice now, Thor has put me to sleep. So I'll leave that to you to figure out what that means about it. And it was the time that they, they cut that stupid blonde hair because it does not look good. I was watching this morning, Thor, and it does not look good. On I Christmas. love the long hair. No, Excuse you. it does not look good on him. I, I like his new look. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about Shakespeare and Thor since we'll, we'll be arguing on all podcasts otherwise. Um, we'll continue. So what, uh, do you want to start with what did you see that was Shakespearean at first? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like the whole structure is Shakespearean. Like when you go back and think about the way that things proceeded, like, okay, so Thor is about to become king and then right when he's about to take over as king, this whole, thing's hap- this whole thing happens with the frost giants and he gets kicked out and then you know he goes to a different world a couple of things happen there the worst part of the movie and then he ends up coming back he has to sort of defend the right to be on the throne um against loki oh yeah totally the frost giant scene is totally the worst part of the movie uh especially the cgi in that movie that that was that is what struck me uh, now the CGI in the MCU is fine. It's, yeah. it's great in Infinity War if you have not seen it. But I in the first few years, oh my god, especially with Thor. Did you see Asgard in the first <laughs> when they introduced it? It looks like a digital city, uh, which Man. you don't see now. If you look at Thor Ragnarok, it does not look like a digital city. Yes, of course, we know it's a digital city, but it looks kind of better than this one and that was sort of a big thing at the time like when did this movie come out like 20 it's after 20 the 2008 so yeah i was gonna say sometimes in the sometime in the 2010s yeah 2011 Um, i think perfect yeah a lot of the movies around then were just like we'll make everything cgi and it'll be perfect we'll make all the characters fight each other only using cgi and now it's much more like We'll actually have the characters fight each other, and then we'll add a little bit of CGI to make it look good. Yeah, that did Avatar. Uh, um, was Avatar released in 2010? Oh, I think so. That's Avatar why. Some... So that's why. I feel like Avatar came or out tw- ten years no, ago, didn't it? 2009. Sorry. Yeah. It came out in 2009, and then every single movie after that. Up to a point, this did put CGI everywhere. But Avatar because, did it well, for yeah, the most part. But they all wanted that technology yeah. then. And it took a long time to do it well. You know what I loved about Deadpool? The joke... Okay, this is not a spoiler. The joke where he's like, and now for a fight between two characters that's entirely CGI. Because <laughs> it's the two characters who are like, Mostly CGI, but it's done well. Oh, like it still Colossus was an interesting and, fight. Yeah, yeah. Juggernaut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and go see that. Juggernaut is one of my favorite X Men character ever. James, I mean Shakespeare, 
William Shakespeare, who lives in my house, got so excited when that happened. He was like, is that Juggernaut? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. In the theater. And I was like, shut your mouth. We're watching a movie. And not a mouth of any particular adjective (laughs) kind. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with something I saw right away. uh, Which is... um, It's pretty much... Loki is pretty much uh, a Iago figure, uh, mm. uh, a mischievous character uh, that you see a lot in Shakespeare. Um, especially when you look, when you search for Shakespeare and Thor, now it becomes the movie actually becomes clearer because you understand things better. Especially when Loki um, is like, "Oh, um, wow, uh, the frost giant uh, just uh, invaded our kingdom." You know, you won't go to Jotunheim, will you? And then he's suggesting for Thor to go to Jotunheim. Right. And he knows, Loki knows that he's going to go. Because his old plan is to, to so that Thor is exiled and that his father is in a coma. And Loki takes over. And then the Frasjain come. And then, oh, oh t- Loki is the hero. Hero. Um... And yeah, he wants to make his father proud. But his old plan, he thinks like 20 steps ahead, like Iago a lot, uh, right. like that. Uh, he knows that, Iago knows that by telling Othello uh, that, that by suggesting to Othello, just like Loki is suggesting to Thor, by suggesting to Othello that his wife is sleeping with another man, he knows that Othello's gonna go mad. He's gonna try to kill his wife. He's gonna try to kill the other man. And um, Othello, in the end, will either die or get exiled or banished or whatever. His whole plan, Iago, is to get rid of Othello. He doesn't like him for his color. He doesn't like him for, for appointing uh, Cassio uh, to, uh, uh, as the captain of the army. So his old plan is to get rid of Othello too, which is very similar to that situation. Interestingly, I mean, you said that Loki is Iago, but I do wonder, I mean, maybe Iago is Loki because of course the Norse mythology predates right. all of that. But I, I mean, of course, the Loki in this movie would be based on Iago, who could be based on older Norse mythology. So I do wonder if that connection is there between yeah. older Norse mythology, because we know that Shakespeare pulls from a lot of English history books um, and a lot of mythology, like Greek mythology, but we do, I, don't, I don't know if work has been done looking at, you know, whether Shakespeare ever looked at Norse mythology. Maybe. Uh, that's interesting to think about, actually. I didn't think about that. Uh, Norse mythology came before. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, so... Yeah, Shakespeare thought of, perhaps thought of Loki, the, the god of mischief, the trickster, uh, when he was writing Iago. Um, yeah. And interestingly, a lot of Loki stuff that he gets up to, we all know what I'm talking about with the horse, is all like very sexual. He's sort of like the deviant. And I mean, Iago sort of goes about things very sexually, framing Desdemona for an affair. You know, all of that. It's, you know, he could have gotten Othello in another way it didn't have he could have gotten in trouble for some kind of military failure like he could have you know made something happen with the non-existent Turks all of that you know 
Yeah. But it had to be it's just sexual. more evil. Yeah. It's just more evil. And it just makes a better play. <laughs> it does. We wouldn't have a play if uh, that would have happened. Um, it just, yeah. I mean, it might have been interesting, but I don't think it would be as compelling as, you know, she's defending her virtue in the patriarchal society. Yeah. And ultimately, she dies defending it. But... Of course, Kenneth Brenner thought of Iago. He thought of Shakespeare when create not create. I was like creating Loki. No, he didn't create <laughs> Loki. Of course, I shouldn't say that. Actually, Kenneth Brenner has nothing to do with uh, the 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 creation of Loki and deciding if Loki was going to be a part of the story because he was already in, in the Thor comics. But what he thought about, I'm sure, is the way he was going to use Loki, mm-hmm. uh, which was creating a story that was really close to Othello um, and using it in the same way, thinking like 20 steps ahead like uh, Iago does, um, and playing with people. Like Loki in the movie, it, it, it seems like he's genuine, just like Iago mm-hmm. is acting genuine. Uh, which you never, which is ironic because you know Iago is lying, and then when you see uh, Loki, you don't know at first he's lying. And interestingly, I mean, Iago is sort of famous for that speech where he says, you know, I am not what I am, like questioning his very identity, you know, what do you base my identity on, the words that I say, my actions, and Loki, of course, has a crisis of identity. Yeah. In the movie with his parentage. Yeah. And that was so weird, though, his parentage. Let's talk about this for a second. He turns blue in that movie. <laughs> Why the hell didn't they use that in all the other movies? He's just blue for a second, then he goes back. It's we fine. get it. You want to tell his origin story in a movie and then be done with it. But... Don't stop there if you're going to make him blue for one movie. Because I didn't see that in Thor The Dark World. I didn't see that in The Avengers. I didn't see that anywhere else. Petition for Thor, for Loki in the next Thor movie to say, I just blew myself. I'm sorry, but go see <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Well, yeah, I, I, okay, okay. So, what next? What did you see that was Shakespearean? So, a mischievous character, a structure... And what next? I actually think I was sort of looking at Thor as very much a Prince Henry from Henry the Fourth character. Because he sort of hmm, has that thing where he's going to be reigning soon and everyone keeps reminding him that he's going to be king. But he isn't really ready. Now Thor thinks he is ready in the beginning and he's preparing for it, but Prince yeah. Henry is sort of in that age where, you know, he's making friends with all the corrupt people like Falstaff. He's hanging out in the tavern and he sort of knows that he isn't ready to rule yet. And then in both, sort of the structure of events happens that forces him to become ready to rule. And they sort of have to change their whole attitude and their whole manner of being that's really interesting i didn't look at it that way um the way i looked at it was by looking at the green world versus the court world um 
in the green world usually uh, the characters learn something or there is a change or uh, and in the case of Thor uh, I feel like in the beginning he's very very selfish and then by the end he learns to be selfless he learns because there's he wants to sacrifice himself at the end for for Jane for all of the other uh, char human characters and all humanity basically right and he does that in the green world which is interesting and the green world let's be clear I think is uh, earth because he's exiled earth and the green world he doesn't have powers he doesn't have anything but he learns to be essentially a hero without his powers which is which is right. why I think it's a fine movie uh, because that's actually interesting uh, and at the time it, it was new when they they made that movie it was a new thing we hadn't seen th that before which I think was interesting it's a shame that they did it so badly <laughs> no I agree though it could be interesting because yeah we're seeing someone who is sort of rendered human for a time you know he doesn't have his hammer doesn't have Majolian only <laughs> he doesn't have his powers he can't call down lightning you know he just has to be himself he can't go back for a home while. yeah which is interesting so i think the green world uh teaches thor to be selfless uh and caring and willing to sacrifice himself for others which makes him worthy for the throne mm -hmm. ultimately um and worthy of wielding the hammer he, on, he only uh, reaches the, the throne in the third movie. Spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah, he still becomes more worthy than he was at the beginning. He was kind of a douchebag in the beginning. He was kind of a selfish prick. And I didn't like him at all in, the, in those first ten, 10 to 20 minutes of the movie. I thought, oh, that's why Jane thinks it's a bad movie because no <laughs> no but that's what i was thinking mm -hmm. at first and i was like because oh this is first thor is really serious because i after watching thor ragnarok i didn't see thor in the same light and he's kind of a prick and he's mm, i don't know i don't i didn't like him in the, those 20 minutes and then as the movie evolved as the movie progressed i was like oh that's what they were doing. They were trying to make him selfless and make him uh, care for others. And that's what, and they did it with the green world, which is very Shakespearean, and which is amazing. And in that way, I mean, if we had Iago, we would expect to see Othello alongside him in the protagonist. But I really don't feel like, I mean, I feel like Thor has the opposite direction of Othello. He's very you know, either selfish or Othello is sort of controlled by jealousy at the end, controlled by these sort of bad emotions and by... Th I'm not saying at all that Thor is like Othello. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying we see the opposite thing yeah. that we, w we would expect yeah. to see if we had Iago, we would expect to see him paired with an Othello, but we actually right. don't. Okay, yeah. He actually ends up being better by the end, whereas Othello yeah. is brought low by Iago. And as opposed to the relationship between Iago and 
Othello, um, first, um, Iago is the outsider in Thor. Uh, the Loki is the outsider. He's the, the other, mm-hmm. as opposed to Thor, uh, like Othello being the other. Um, so, yeah, that was different. And they're also brothers, uh, adoptive brothers, but still brothers. So it's the family dynamics, which is very Shakespearean, too. Gotta love those family dynamics. Yeah. Plus, it's royalty, which is very Shakespearean, too. We're in the court now. Yeah. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then there's the exile. That's very Shakespearean as well. Uh, someone banishing someone. That reminded me of King Lear. I was thinking of King Lear just now. Yeah. Sort of sent off to the heath. The barren world that is Earth compared to Asgard. So Odin banishes Thor, and which is... Uh, I have a fun fact for that. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is going to play King Lear uh, in an upcoming movie. Uh, they just released a trailer on YouTube. Go watch it. Um, yeah, He's such a good fit for that that I almost feel like he's been Lear before, but I don't think he has, but he should have been. Well, in Thor, he's basically Lear. Yeah, but it's different. Like I, I almost went like, hasn't he played that role before? But yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. So... I suffer through time now that I know Shakespeare. Uh, that it's pretty much Odin is pretty much Lear because he gets taken advantage of by his children, especially Loki, uh, who's making this plan to oh, basically uh, uh, at the beginning he. Just like um, Regan and uh, the other daughter, I forget her name. Um, Goneril. Goneril. Goneril and Regan, they they pretty much kiss his ass in the beginning to get his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Just like Loki kisses the ass of his father a little bit. And then he gets it. uh, And he puts his father in a coma which i thought thor went into i mean i thought odin went into odin's sleep to recover his power did he though i think he did i don't think he did i think because i think that was very isn't that like an odin thing a, a loki trick yeah. doesn't odin do that throughout norse mythology like oh, i don't know sleep? maybe but i i, I thought the loki did that but yeah i could be wrong because i don't know norse mythology well, I was going to say, I feel like the main difference there is that, I mean, I guess it depends on that one point. Like, I feel like Odin is a very strong character in this. It's more the fact that he isn't present. He's asleep or away. Um, but if he was there, I mean, he kicks Thor out of Asgard, you know? Like, he isn't lowered like King Lear is on the heath alone. So, I mean, we, I guess we could say it's only emotionally that he he is sort of in that lower state. Yeah. And I also think of him as Lear, uh, especially when Lear gets close to Cordelia after exiling her. And I feel like Odin gets closer to Thor than ever mm-hmm. after he exiles him. Uh, yeah, uh, this gets them closer because Loki, just like Regan and Goneril, uh, turn on their, fa- on their father. And Loki turns on his father, and that makes Thor and Odin closer, not only because of Loki's betrayal, but because 
Thor is a better guy too. Interesting. We could also say that Thor becomes very Cordelia, like because of course it's Cordelia's refusal to speak, her silence that is powerful in the beginning, that gets her exiled. But it's also you know the fact that she's not willing to just sort of pay lip service to her father, and Thor ultimately does the same thing that she does with her actions rather than her words. He yeah. ultimately proves that he is willing to sacrifice himself and he acts rather than just saying, oh, you know, father, you're great. Yeah. He gets the throne basically in a good, worthy way. Yeah, exactly. As, as opposed to Loki, who just does it behind uh, Odin's back. So he knows, Loki knows that he will never get the throne. So just like Regan and Goneril, he kind of kisses his father's ass mm -hmm. and then does it behind his back and yeah just get the throne by himself yeah just doing but look where it got you loki <laughs> well he's still in the, the later movie he still gets what he wants yeah but he's paired with goneril whose name sounds like gonorrhea so take that loki <laughs> oh well okay um before we oh end... also yeah eyeballs explain <laughs> people who lose their eyeballs oh yeah you yeah. know i like to talk about eyeballs yeah that is a major plot point in king lear gloucester loses his eye for supporting the king um at reagan's hand i think reagan or goneril they're the same and i mean not in this movie but in the third movie Odin loses an eye in this movie too. Oh, does he lose it in this movie? Yeah, you see, you see when he he, he fights a Bifrost at the beginning. Oh, great. Well, I was thinking. And then oh, well, that's you, in the the before thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And ultimately, we see Thor lose an eye. Yeah. Which hopefully they keep gone. Hopefully they're not like oh magic. Watch Avenger Infinity War. Spoiler alert. No, it's actually funny the way they do it, which is it's actually clever. So just I like on. lasting consequences. Your actions. No, it's lasting. It's your lasting. actions have consequences. No, it's lasting. It's lasting. It's not his real eye that grows back. It's something else. Anyway, yeah. Uh, people loses lose their eyes. Yeah, dismemberment. Um, so yeah. Before we move on uh, uh, to the second part of our show, which is Black Panther, um, I wanted to. Touch about something that I saw. Jane and Thor. Um, <laughs> what is this love? Is this a Shakespearean love? Is this... Because I was like, is this... This is not Romeo and Juliet. It's similar, though, because two worlds, two lovers uh, from two worlds loving each other. And uh, they can be together because their two, their two worlds do, don't connect, uh, which was an interesting metaphor. It's sort of like if The Tempest was a tragedy and no one was happy, then that would essentially be the first Thor movie. I like way better Thor and Lady Sif together. I feel like they go super well together compared to Jane and uh, Thor. And they never did end up together because mm, the the actress that plays Lady Sith has got her own show now, so they can do it, or they they just simply decided not to uh, explore the romance, which they do a lot in the MCU. Like 
uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was gone for a while for, for, uh, from God. Uh, from Tony Stark. <laughs> There's a lot of problem with romances in the MCU. They don't tend to, they don't like to explore those. I mean, it's difficult to date a god or a superhero or a supervillain, you know? Look at Spider-Man. He doesn't end up with the girl in the end and uh, the Spider-Man homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America in the he was supposed to date agent uh, whatever her <laughs> name is. Uh, and he never ends up with her. Agent Carter. He, Agent Carter. It, it, but I, I wasn't talking about Agent Carter. I was talking about the, the other agent that works for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, which is, who is played by Emily Van Camp. He never ends up with her. That's that's the uh, y- younger Carter. Oh, yeah, Carter. That's why, Carter. That's why I was mixed up. <laughs> Carter, Carter. So he never... The, the superheroes, weirdly enough, never end up with their, their, their loved ones. Good. I ain't here for a dang romance. No, but it's interesting. I like some exploration of that sometime. They explored it in Iron Man, and then they, they cut it off. Good. Um, I can't say enough how much... But she's still with him. Watch Avengers Infinity Why War. Why is she with him? Watch Avengers... Does she in- die? Because that's the no. only reason I'll watch it. No. Anyway, so you're saying that the romance in this particular film is similar to The Tempest? Is yeah. this a Romeo and Juliet? Is this something... Only if the Bifrost is the balcony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can see you from my world. But they world, don't commit but... suicide for each other. Uh, I mean, at the same time, is being apart from someone you love not an act of killing yourself? Mm? It's interesting. Anyway, that's not the best Shakespearean point that, we, that we've come up with. But it, I, I was just interested in their relationship. If we've seen that in Shakespeare, if we, uh, if that was something from Shakespeare that they took, um, yeah. I mean, it is interesting because isn't, I mean, she is originally, I mean, I guess we could see like the Midgardians and Asgardians as two different families or factions. I mean, I'm just thinking we can sort of think about the Midgardians and Asgardians as sort of warring families or factions, like they're separate they don't get along hence why if you're exiled to that country you know you know it's not exactly the place where they're like oh hey the asgardians you yeah know? but i don't think it's romeo and juliet because it's just a different story yeah anyway it's Thor is very Shakespeare. If you look at the second movie, also they said that they was Shakespeare. I didn't analyze it. Did you? Did you analyze it in terms of Shakespeare ever? The second movie? Thor: The Dark World. No. Okay. So, I don't think we'll we'll look at it. Um, but keep in mind that it was also a movie uh, that they tried to get away with Shakespeare too. Um, Maybe we'll do that if we have nothing left uh, in uh, later seasons, which Dubious. will be in, in, impossible because we have a lot left to discuss. But keep in mind that it's very Shakespeare, too. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Kenneth Branagh, for giving us an episode. <laughs> I will never thank Kenneth Branagh and his tiny lips for Kenneth Branagh. anything. It's Kenneth Branagh. It's Kenneth Branagh. It's Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. And his tiny lips for anything. You can say it either way. He doesn't give a (laughs) shit. He probably says it eight different ways. Thanks, Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) Not being sarcastic at all. (laughs) She loves Thor. 
I she liked, loves the movie. I liked Kenneth Branagh in Henry the Fourth. Harry Potter. Do you like him in that? Oh yeah, he was the perfect Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah. I mean. So I tune in to episode that. ten to get this, uh, the part two of this series, this season one finale, not the series finale, uh, season one finale. I'm Gabriel Vega. <laughs> I'm Jane. And you can follow us on Twitter at Jane the Fox and at Vega Gabe or. How to Get Away with Shakespeare uh, on Instagram. Or simply just write us an email. It's better like that. We read those emails. Uh, uh, the, that's the, the place you want to contact us. So it's how to get away with Shakespeare at gmail.com. Tune in to episode 10 for Black Panther um, and perhaps more of Thor if we think about something else. All right. Bye. <laughs>